Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Taking Your Next Step podcast from Collegians for Christ. Through each episode, we will journey together focusing on knowing what you believe and why you believe it. If you are eager, like I am, to strengthen your faith, then take your next step now by joining us in today's episode. Good and evil is played out all the time. I mean, in a simple cartoon like Tom and Jerry, you see the good and evil being played out. You see it in cartoons. You see it in movies. You see it in real life, on the streets, in your workplace. It's everywhere. And Hollywood really capitalizes on this idea of good versus evil. You may see it in a courtroom case. But I think as we all think about it, we all want the good to prevail over the evil. That's always the ending of the story. That's what makes the plot line of the movie so appealing is we understand our desire for evil to be conquered, for good to overcome that. And when we watch evil having such a uh, strong advance, it just kind of like, oh, we want good to come back and defeat it. You see, as believers, we understand that, yes, there's a battle between good and evil. It's that of God and that of Satan, and it's being played out at this very moment in your life. It's being played out this very moment in your community, in other people's lives. This battle includes people, politics, and entire nations. Every aspect of our world is affected by this battle. Again, we all desire to see good prevail over evil. We all want to see fairness played out. As a believer, we also have a battle that is waged inside of us, and it's the flesh versus the spirit. We talked about that on our first episode as we jumped into the fruit of the spirit. It's the flesh versus the spirit, which is also the good versus the evil. The problem is the Bible teaches us that there's nothing good inside of us, that we're all sinners, that we all fall short. There's there's none good, no, not one. Think about that. Speaking of the entirety of humanity, but we understand one came that was good, Jesus Christ. And he came, he lived a sinless life, and he is our example. That's why we want to take our next step following after him. But you see, if there's nothing good in us and we're all bent towards sin and evil, how can we then demonstrate goodness to those around us, because this is the fruit that we're talking about. And this is the last of the three that is our outward expressions towards other people. Love, joy, and peace being the inward, our relationship with God. And then the outward is the long suffering, the gentleness, and the goodness. You see, goodness is this. It's a noun meaning a state, the state of being good. Okay, great. You just used a word in the word that you're defining. I hate when a dictionary does this. Drives me crazy. If I'm trying to figure out the definition of the word, why do I want you to why do I need the same word? And so when a dictionary does that, I, to me it's not a good dictionary. So if we were to go a little bit further, it's the moral qualities which constitute Christian excellence. It's a moral virtue. And as you think about goodness and gentleness, which is the one we just talked about last week, gentleness and goodness are synonyms, but these words also do differ. There's a distinction there. And that distinction is this. Gentleness deals more with a mellow temperament or character, while goodness is more energized and expresses itself. So gentleness is more about who we maybe are. It's still how we relate to people. It's more about a mellow temperament. But the goodness is coming out. It's expressing itself. It's more active. It's taking the initiative. While gentleness may be more passive. 
Now, in Scripture, it's used four times in the New Testament, and it's interesting to see that three of those four times, the word is used in direct connection with the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because you and I, as ungood people, people that have no goodness at all, can only get goodness from the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we mean when we're talking about goodness? I mean, that can be a very tossed-around word. It's very subjective. It's very relative to each person. Well, goodness can be two things. One, it can be soft and it can be sharp. Well, how can it be these two different things? Let's talk about it. Goodness can be soft. Why? It's an inward fruit of the spirit that is expressed outwardly as we interact with people. Gentleness or goodness, I'm sorry, can be demonstrated in a soft way similar to gentleness with ease or delicate words or treatment. Jesus, of course, is our perfect example of this. Think about how he dealt with the woman at the well. He dealt with her with goodness. How he dealt with the woman caught in adultery. As they brought her forth and were trying to make a spectacle of her and how he dealt with her in goodness in a very soft way. As he dealt with Peter denying him or Judas as he betrayed him with a kiss there at the Last Supper. Jesus could have screamed, hollered, hit, slapped. I mean, he could have done all those things as Peter denied him, as Judas betrayed him. How that must cut deep as someone's been with you for three years in your ministry, been close to you, have heard and confided in you, and they betray you. Have you been betrayed before? I imagine you have by someone close to you, by a friend, by maybe even someone that's just an acquaintance, co-worker, classmate. Maybe it's by a boyfriend, girlfriend, a husband, a wife. They betrayed you. It cuts deep. And how you and I are to respond to them should be in goodness. And so while it can be solved, but it can also be sharp. You see, a person can demonstrate goodness in their zeal for truth and righteousness. By rebuking, correcting, or punishing. There are times when doing good or right requires a tough stand. Again, Jesus is our perfect example of this. He was perfect, exhibiting equal amounts of each fruit in his life at all times, right? Now, when Jesus went into the temple and he vigorously cleansed the temple, sharply talking to people, making a big scene, he was still showing goodness. You see, a parent can show goodness in their correction or discipline of a child. You see, it's in the pursuit of truth and righteousness in their child's life. Now, here's the catch. Here's the key. Too much zeal or only zeal can turn to unrighteous anger. But zeal seasoned with gentleness is the perfect mixture. So you can be overzealous and that can turn into anger, frustration. But if it's zeal, which we need... We need to stand up. We need to confront error. We need to confront wrong, especially in our culture today. There's nothing better needed, more needed than you to stand up for what is right. Because the other side is being very vocal and they're marching forward. And you and I can be passive and still be good and gentle, but that's not the idea. Goodness can be sharp. It's that zeal seasoned with gentleness. Now, how do we understand what goodness is? What is the basis for what is good? Because good is a word loosely tossed around and very relative to each person or each situation. You could say this, that is a good person. 
that was a good movie. That was a good service or song. Well, what's the basis to determine whether that was good? Well, many times it's personal preference or a previous experience. That one was better than the previous one, so therefore it's good. Compared to that person that I know, this person is good. Now, these are not wrong, as we're only judging based on our experience, but when it comes to demonstrating the fruit of goodness, it is not based on personal experience or personal preference. Even for ourselves, I can say, I feel I was good to that person. I felt like I reacted good. I felt like I showed her or him goodness, considering the situation. You see, we cannot use ourselves or other people as the basis for goodness. Why? Because Scripture teaches that we have no good in ourselves. I'm sorry to inform you of that. I would love to say that I'm a good person. When we say that, why do bad things happen to good people? The reality is there are no good people. You and I are all sinners. And if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, we're a saved sinner. We've had our sins forgiven. But the Bible is very clear. There's none good, no, not one. And so this is why we can have a warped perspective of goodness and why we cannot allow our own basis or the basis of others to be that judgment or that basis for what we feel is good. God is the objective standard of all that is good. It is only as we judge our actions against him and his word can we accurately know if we are truly demonstrating goodness to people. And this is why it is a fruit of the Spirit. And this is why you and I can struggle demonstrating goodness to other people. Because we have a warped view of what goodness really is. What I may think is goodness may be really bad to someone else based on their experience. But the bottom line is this. Goodness is love in action. Love has to be seen in action. We've talked about that. You can just say you love someone, but it's until you show them. You can show someone you love them without ever telling them you love them. But goodness is love in action, and it can be soft or it can be sharp. But it's the perfect mixture of goodness seasoned with gentleness. Now, as you deal with people on a daily basis, how are you treating them? How are you reacting to them? Remember, goodness is more on the forefront of trying to find out how I can be towards other people. And then what are you basing your goodness on? Are you basing it on what you've done before, what other people have done? Well, I'm, I'm doing this because it's better than how they treated them or how they reacted in this situation. That's the wrong basis. That's the wrong judge. That could lead us into uh, not being a good person. Because God is the only objective standard of all that is good. And so we have to measure ourselves against his word. We have to measure ourselves against our perfect example, Jesus. And that's why sometimes we need to go back to Scripture and just follow the life of Jesus. Just study his life. Study what he's saying. Study how he's interacting. Just watch him. Read through the Gospels. Maybe just if you have a red letter edition Bible, just read the red words just to see how he interacts, see what he says, how he responds, and let that marinate into our lives. Let us meditate on his life, not to the neglect that any other part of Scripture is not needful or not important, but sometimes you and I could benefit from just totally immersing ourselves in Jesus. If that's who we're to follow, and he is our perfect example, maybe we need to take a little time and dive deep into his life, following him, reflecting, meditating, and watching how he deals with people 
in his daily life. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend or subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can connect with Collegians for Christ online for more information and resources at cfccampusministry.com.